everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my partner, co-anchor. I wanted to say co-partner. I don't know what I'm doing. Co-anchor, <laughs> <laughs> sister, and partner in crime, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Well, I'll tell you. I've had a very eventful day. And I'm going nice. to see if I can show you. Can you see that? Am I looking on the wrong side? Let's see. Can you see my bruise? No. In the video? There oh, is. yes, can I can. It? Oh, good Lord. Yeah. Do you see that? Um, I was attacked by a giant squid, which honestly yes. was like a huge honor because it's one of my most favorite DC, deep sea creatures. have been fascinated all my life. And so now I have these big purple circly bruises and you can kind of see mm -hmm. that one right there so which yeah, is really quite, quite the miracle you know being that we live in landlocked idaho right i mean what are the odds that I, there you would just, almost think you were a victim of cupping i would almost think that i was a victim of cupping but that is not nearly as exciting a story yeah as what really happened which was the giant squid <laughs> well okay then yeah so you were just walking down the road and he just popped out of the river or it was it was like a manhole just some big old tentacles came out of a manhole and just latched on i have all these big circles all over my back and my neck crazy i'm actually it really was. impressed because uh you were walking down the road in this heat i was also i survived i yeah. fought that damn thing off you guys yeah i was like dude no, I already survived COVID. I'm not dying from a giant squid, goddammit. <laughs> what I said. <laughs> I'm sure that's what you said. Well, congratulations, I guess. Well, thank you. <laughs> My massage yeah. therapist was extra horrified when she pulled that cup off. And she said it was it was black when she pulled it off. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sure. Just brought blood to a tight spot in my neck, which will be fine. But I just thought, you yeah. know, that my giant squid story was way more interesting. So I love it when I see those marks on people and I'm like, oh, you've been cupped. And they're like, I'm surprised you knew what that was. I'm afraid yeah. people will think I'm covered in hickeys. Well, that's we another laugh. story to tell. We <laughs> laugh and laugh. Like, what am I going to tell my wife when I get home with this giant thing? Oh, everything's backwards on these videos. And so then I can't tell yeah. which side I'm looking at. But yeah, if you guys can mm -hmm. see. That is a pretty significant old mark right there. It is. And that's a little one. Like, I have some on my shoulders that are, like, this big. Oh, yeah, so. I'm sure. Well, I hope it helps anyway. Uh, I'm sure that it will. Always it does. typically does, yeah. But for some reason today, I just really, really bruised. It's I'm not sore. Like, it's just very, like, subcutaneous. So it's not, mm -hmm. it's not painful. No. We'll blame the heat. We're blaming everything on the heat currently. Hell yeah. Everything at all. Mm -hmm. I, my pigs are so grumpy. Oh, no. And naughty to each other. Not naughty to us so much, but God, they're so naughty to each other. Naughty to the dogs. Just grumpy. And you know, they're just, it's hot. And they yeah. go outside and they try and hang out out there where they want to be. They have found some pretty good uh, wallows, like up under some of the trees where it's a lot cooler and it's nicer. But um, I think that they're. Just, you know, everyone's hot and sticky and grouchy. And that's just how it is right now. Yeah. 
So yes. basically I'm just giving them lots of little piggy treats and trying to write it out. Yeah. That's basically that. what I'm doing for myself as well, in case you're wondering, but <laughs> <laughs> except for, for me, it's more like diet cherry limeades, but you know, there you go. Yeah. There's nothing better than a diet cherry limeade from Sonic when it says hot. I know you sure. guys must think we're just babies, but you don't understand, man. We're up in the mid nineties yeah. in June in Idaho. Okay. This is not happened here. Mm. We are not built for this kind of weather. Okay. Mm. We have butts for winter. Yes. Right. Yes, we do. <laughs> not for this kind of heat. Good. Hell. No. Yeah. So can you well, all tell that we're on a little bit different format? Do we look a little different? I think we look a little different. We might look a little different. Yeah. yeah we have a new streamer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Streaming a service new, or whatever we want to call that. Yeah. And we're excited about it. It's going to give us a few more, just a little more ease of use and options. And, you know, yeah. we started this like on what we had and what we knew. Yeah. You know, and now, you know, we're into this 18 months-ish. and we just keep growing up, you know, and, and upgrading exactly. everything, including, you know, our streaming services and equipment yeah. and all of those things. And this is our, an upgrade and it's a good one. We're going to really, I think, uh, really it like is. this. So, yeah. yeah. Well, without further ado, should we get into our case? Well, let's do. Come on. I mean, I don't think it's about a giant squid, but I guess it could it's be. not about a giant squid. Okay. I was in way off on that one. Right. And Christy, I, I'm going to let you tell me because uh, I had not heard of this case, but you may have because you're more, more well-schooled in uh, uh, true crime than I am. And so if you have you heard about this a lot case, of TV, you guys. <laughs> yeah. So if you have heard about this case, uh, you know, it's okay. We'll just read it together. If you haven't, I'll present it to you as a cold read. So I'll okay. throw it out there. You tell me. Sure. Uh, this happened in 1978. On November 17th, four young people, young employees went missing from a place called the Burger Chef. Okay. It happened in Speedway, Indiana, and mm -hmm. they were working and they had had customers up until about 11 o'clock and mm -hmm. then they would be cleaning and getting ready to go home. And sometime between that time and midnight, when another employee came just to bullshit and visit, uh, something happened. Okay. The employee came in, the doors were unlocked. There was, uh, it looked like they had been robbed. Uh, all the money from the safe was gone, which was around $500, $600, something like that. Mm -hmm. And the police were called. And the police came and their first assessment was that it was uh, an inside job, that the employees probably just robbed the safe to go partying. Sure. That's what they thought. Well, four families are waiting for their kids to come home that night and they never do. And they never we have do. two 16-year-olds, an 18-year-old and a 20-year-old. Oh my goodness, that should we show that picture? Let's do. Yeah. We're kind of new to the way this thing, this system works. So, yeah. Here is a picture of the Speedway yeah. victims. Yeah. I will say, I don't know this case specifically. No. So, okay. we're good to go here. Yep. So, this is the four of them. Yeah. I'll give you their full names 
funny that it's Miss Freet Flemons, right? Miss Shelton Davis. <laughs> yeah. So it's Ruth Shelton, Jane okay. Freet, Mark Flemons, and Daniel Roy Davis. Okay. So I, I, by the Miss part, really, is I'm puzzled, but yeah, me too. I guess the 1978 thing. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So by the next morning, the uh, uh, the franchise owner wants to open. He wants um, to get going on the day. Is this the burger chef or shed or whatever? Mm-hmm. This is the burger chef. Yep. Okay. He wants to get going, and so the police allow them to clean the restaurant and open and start serving. Oh, damn. Then they start getting phone calls from family members, and they realize, oh, no, we have all these missing kids. Yeah. So they go back over there, and they try to recreate the crime scene and take photographs. They didn't even take photographs. And the new staff basically cleaned away any kind of forensic evidence. It was gone. They took out the garbages. Like, they sanitized the place. That is not good. No. I just didn't know in 1978, you know? Well, they did. They just screwed up. Yeah, but I mean, now, I mean, there's just protocol that they just do that at every single scene. And, you know, I mean, there's rules now, although I'm not saying they do it at every scene because we've been very clear about some that they didn't. But there are more specific rules now than there used to be. But, oh, that's really sad. So that was like the first really big misstep, besides just assuming that the kids were out partying and not actually like wondering where they went. Yeah. Which they essentially did not do. Right. And and how strange that if they were out partying and had robbed this place, why wouldn't they have gone looking for them? Like they have committed robbery here. Like, right. Right. This is all fairly nonchalant, I, mm-hmm. I would say. Especially because the women that were missing, their purses and jackets were still hanging on the hooks in the employee room. Oh, hell. Their stuff was there. Okay. Yeah. So this is Saturday. So now we have four families that are really, really concerned because these are not kids that do this stuff, you know, so they're really worried. And so by Sunday afternoon, about 20 miles away from Burger Chef, their bodies are found in a wooded area. And both Davis and Shelton had been shot execution style numerous times with a 38 cal. Mm. Uh, had been stabbed twice in the chest and they broke the knife off in her chest and had taken the handle. Now that's odd. Mm-hmm. So some are shot, some are stabbed. And then Flemons was bludgeoned to death with a chain. And actually died um, on his back by choking on his own blood. Mm-hmm. They were all still wearing their Burger Chef uniforms. Which doesn't mm. sound like kids who took the money to run out and play with it. You know? No, no, no. No. So, obviously, we have a huge homicide on our hands. And it really rocks the community. 
So this area had been pretty idyllic until about a year before. And about a year before, so this town, Speedway, is basically a, it butts up to Indianapolis. So, I mean, some might call it a suburb of Indianapolis or mm -hmm. uh, an alcove, I think I read. It was a strange an way alcove? for me. Yeah. I don't know I don't what know that what means. That but means, but I know. I, I would say a suburb in my uh, terminology, but it had been kind of a, a pretty idyllic place where, mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously it's where the uh, the race cars were happening. You know, it's where the speedway was. And there were, it was, uh, you know, the kind of community that you didn't lock your doors at night. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't worry about your kids working at a burger joint and coming home at midnight. That was just, you know, it was, it felt like a safe place. But right. about a year before this happened, there had been several other things happen, including a series of bombings. Whoa. Mm -hmm. About town, one of them in the high school parking lot. Kind of weird stuff. Uh, there was mm -hmm. also the murder of an old woman who had posted some uh, china for sale in a garage sale or in a newspaper ad for a garage sale. And a man had called and told her he wanted to buy it. And when he arrived to buy it, he shot and killed her. So there'd been mm. some stuff going down. There was also some mm. gang activity that had come to town that was uh, not new for Indianapolis, but was new for this area. But there was some gang activity that had culminated in two different gangs that were kind of doing battle through this area with each other. Mm -hmm. So they'd really gone from what they, you know, felt like was their uh, own little Mayberry to a really started to feel a very dangerous town. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Not after quite prepared for that. Yeah. So after the murders, Burger Chef was there in Indianapolis based chain or they were, um, they put up a reward of $25,000 uh, I was never claimed, never used, mm. but they started to get a few leads. One of them was a 16 year old who claimed that on the night of the murders, he saw two weird men in a car outside the burger chef right before closing. He said they were both in their thirties. One of them had a beard. The other had fair hair. I, mm. uh, they actually, the police actually had models in clay uh, created of these two to assist with the investigation. It didn't really give them anything. Mm -hmm. But then later that year at a bar in Greenwood, uh, a man started uh, bragging. Greenwood is also in Johnson County where the bodies were found. He starts bragging that he had been involved in the killing. So the police... Mm -hmm come and question him, but he passes the polygraph. And they decide maybe he was just talking to shit. Yeah. So there's that, but then he gives them names of some other men that he suggests maybe belong to a fast food uh, robbery kind of gang. So there were some men that had been robbing fast food joints in the area that they had already been kind of thinking about. So, you know, there was kind of some thought here about maybe, 
Maybe it was these guys. Why did they kill these kids? But maybe. Mm-hmm. But they didn't have any evidence at all. Okay. So they start trying to follow up on those leads. And they come across a guy who looks like the bearded man composite. Uh-huh. So he gets summoned to come in for a lineup and he shaves his beard. And according to neighbors, he'd had that beard for five straight years. But the lineup didn't really, uh, didn't really bear fruit. Right. So that didn't really get them anywhere. Uh, However, there was another man who fit the description of the fair-haired man who was in prison for other armed robberies of fast food restaurants. So they kind of have these guys that they think maybe, but they have nothing to go on. They have right without actual confessions, they have nothing. Right. And they offer plea deals, they offer, you know, everything they can think of to try to get one of them to crack and give them something, but they just they don't get anything. So they have nothing to go on. In the meantime, some of the families are being stalked and harassed, particularly Ruth Shelton's family. They have people calling the house, ringing the doorbell, making threats, being scary and creepy. And some of the other families, too, talked about feeling really unsafe while this was all going on, which is Mm -hmm. so insane to me but we see that now too you know sometimes the victim's families really get beat up on well yeah and it's generally not from the perpetrator it is just from idiots in the community that like to insert themselves in things yeah yeah totally so they keep working it there are a couple of detectives that really really work hard on this case and did for decades trying to to solve it because it's just so haunting and shocking that four kids were killed like that you know um in the meantime uh things are really bad with the police chief and just not even a year after he uh these murders happen he is replaced with someone else There's a lot of whispers of uh, incompetence in the police force of, you know, maybe some um, misdoings in the police force, some corruption, like everybody's really on edge and the the trust in the police is extremely low, Mm -hmm. you know, because this just keeps eluding them as well as, you know, they had the bombings and they had the other murder and like, you know, things and they have some gang activity and some drug activity moving in and like things are not good, you know? No, not at all. So later on, they actually get a phone call from a jailer who says that he has somebody there who needs to talk to them about this case. And they end up talking to, this came from the Pendleton Correctional Facility, Mm -hmm. uh, a guy named Donald Forrester, who is serving a 95-year sentence for rape, which 
95 years for rape? Boy, uh, if he, that happened now, he, he might get nine years, maybe. Oh, he might get nine months. Right? Wow. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, that's a lot. Somewhere maybe we should find a happy medium. I just, yeah. Damn. So he tells them that he was involved in the murders and that he's willing to confess if they will avoid his scheduled transfer. He's supposed to be going to the Indiana State Prison, which is notoriously dangerous and uh, violent. And he doesn't want to go there because he's a convicted mm -hmm. rapist and he knows what's going to happen to him. Mm -hmm. So it seems promising. He was a career criminal. He was living in Speedway when it happened. He was not in jail when it happened. So they're going, okay, well, let's hear what he has to say, right? So they get a court order to bring him back to their county, and he confesses. He says he shot Davis and Shelton. He took police to the crime scene in the woods. Mm -hmm. And he mostly accurately describes the location, the position of the dead bodies, you know, he, he pretty much lays out the case. He also knows about the broken handle of the knife, which is not something that was in the news. Mm -hmm. And so, or widely publicized at least. And so they're kind of thinking, okay, maybe we really, maybe we have something here. So he says that Fried's, Friedit's brother, James, owed money on a drug deal. And they went there to threaten her to shake him up but that one of the boys there tried to be a hero and fight them and his associates uh, beat him nearly to death and that scared them. And so they loaded all the kids up and took them out into the woods and killed them. I don't think that's what happened. He also I'm says, not on this guy's team. Yeah. I don't so, feel like that's right. Yeah. So later... His ex-wife says that the day after those murders, or a few days after those murders, he actually drove her to the crime scene and gathered up some shell casings and came home and flushed them down the toilet. So they get a warrant to search the septic tank of the How house. How do you flush shell casings? I don't know. But... They actually get a warrant to search the septic tank of that house, who now is owned by someone else. So those poor people had to go through this. Yeah. And they found several 38 cal shell casings. But I then, don't know. I think he's covering up for somebody else at the time so, and then using it later as leverage for himself. Like he's obviously heard the story at least. Right, right. He you has, know. but I don't feel like the the reason for the killings is what he says. What he said. Okay. So shortly thereafter, somebody from the sheriff's office leaks his uh cooperation and he recants. He claims it was coerced and that the police made him say it and they, without his cooperation, they don't have anything besides those 38 cal bullets, which don't actually prove anything. Yeah. So he's never charged and he dies in prison. 
at age 55. So then they just truly have nothing. And that's pretty much where it goes cold. There's been some books written. There's been some documentaries. There's probably a little more to it than, you know, what I can do in a, in a one hour show or less. But, you know, that's the basic gist of it. Okay. There was some, uh, they were looking at one time in 1981, they actually did look at Frieda's brother, James, because he was a druggie and had some unrelated drug charges. And, but they cleared him in less than a week. One of the other problems with the admission from Forrester is that one of the people he claimed was with them was actually incarcerated at the time. Mm-hmm. After he told the story and told the tale, and then he retold it lots of times, they, they got really suspicious about what uh, he really did know and... Mm-hmm you know, if he actually knew anything. And again, naming people who were in prison at the time was a big red flag. But when they decided that they weren't going to charge him and they were going to go ahead and send him off to the Indianapolis uh, State Prison, he said, Mm -hmm. if you send me back, you will never solve this case, which is exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick break. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christy, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to cold read this case. Obviously, you've got some things uh, ruminating here. So I'm really Thank curious you. to know uh, what you're hitting on, what you feel like actually happened to these four. Okay. Hey there. I'm Christy Brower from True Crime Paranormal. You know me from our podcast. But what you may not know about me is that I am a professional psychic and healer. I've been doing this work professionally for 15 years and you know, more like 25 when it comes to working on myself. So as a reader, I'm very straightforward. I will always tell you the truth of what I see. I don't sugarcoat things. I want you, I want you to hear the truth and be, have all of the information that you need to make the best choices moving forward. As a master healer, I am a teacher and uh, an energy healer, an aura reader, I've had thousands of clients over the years in energy healing. I can heal all kinds of issues for you on the energy plane. And of course, that's only part of what needs healing generally in a situation. But healing on the energy plane is super important. It's the subtle things that keep problems hanging around, that keep old relationships from being able to be released for good, that keep you know, painful things still stuck inside of you in some way or the other. So I love working with that kind of energy. So I do take private clients. The easiest way to come see me is just go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com. About halfway down the page, you'll see where it says get a reading with Christy and you can click a link. That'll take you right to the place where you can schedule with me. So I don't work a hotline anymore. I just take clients direct. And that's the way I really like to do it. My uh, preferred way to read is over the phone. But I can do a video call if you ask for that when you schedule your appointment. But I really look forward to working with you. Uh, reading people's energy bodies and and working with you in your life is really just an honor for me. I appreciate the opportunity and the trust that you give me. So 
If you'd like to connect with me, go to truecrimeparanormalpodcast.com and you'll see right there where to schedule with me. I look forward to getting to know you. All righty. And we are back. So again, this is True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. And we're talking today about the Burger Chef murders of 1978 that happened in Speedway, Indiana. So Christy, uh, we laid out the case pretty well here, I think. And so I'm going to just turn the mic over to you to tell us what you think happened here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, I feel like the, the thing that is the most obvious here is the thing that happened. There was a robbery at the store. Things did go bad. And the young man who was beaten to death, he fought back. He didn't just allow them to steal from the store. And they hurt him really badly. And the other employees witnessed that. And they knew that now not only have they robbed this store, but they've seriously injured, maybe even killed him. And they can't just leave these other employees as witnesses to that incident. So they did load them all up in a car. They did take them out in the woods and they did kill all, all four of them. But it is, it really was a robbery gone bad. Now, I feel like the inmate that, you know, said he did it and all that stuff, he didn't. I feel like he knew someone who did and that he did help clean up after the fact that he did go pick up those uh, shell casings and that he knew some things that he shouldn't have because he knew the people who did this. But he was using that information for leverage for his own gain. He was not actually there. He did not commit these crimes. But there were two men who did. And they were the same two men who were robbing the other fast food restaurants. And those two men both died in prison. I mean, they ended up in prison for other crimes and they died there. And so when... um when he said, if I, if you don't charge me with this or whatever, you know, you're never going to find out what happened. It's because the people who commit those crimes were already dead and he knew it. Okay. So wild. Just awful, just wrong place, wrong time. mm -hmm. And, you know, it was one, it's one of those things where he fought back because he was trying to protect the restaurant where he worked. He didn't feel like this was right. He fought back. Mm -hmm. And then now they've, you know, killed somebody. I don't think he was actually dead in the store, but he was seriously injured. Mm -hmm. So now they're in this pickle of what are we going to do with him? And what are we going to do with these other three employees who've not only witnessed us rob the store, but now beat him. Yeah. And so the, the only solution that they had was to take them out and kill them which is so sad. And, you know, honestly, if they had not cleaned the store and had recognized it as the crime scene that it was, they probably, I I feel like they would have found some fingerprints and some other, you know, usable information that would have led them to these murderers. But, you know, Mm -hmm. the thing is they did end up in prison for other crimes and they did die in prison Mm -hmm. and they may not have had, closure for this case but they definitely did get theirs in the end Mm -hmm. Mm. it's so awful it is it's families 
Oh, uh, God. So you really are, you're building on a theory that was thrown around in the beginning. So I'll ask you if this hits right for you or not. One of the theories was that one of the kids wasn't actually scheduled to work that night. And he filled in for somebody else. Police had in the early stages wondered if it's possible that he recognized one of the uh, the robbers, that he wasn't supposed to be there, but he was, and he happened to recognize who was there, mm-hmm. and or just by happenstance that one of them recognized one of the, the robbers. Does that hit for you at all? Or do you feel like, no, this is more about just the way things went down? I don't feel like that's true. I feel like the, the truth of this is simply that they screwed up. They should have just left when he tried to fight back. They didn't. And then they were in a situation of not knowing what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't feel that they were recognized. I, But I do feel that they were then, you know, known not only for ro- robbery, but for um, beating this young man. And th- they had to mm-hmm. do something about it. And the reason for the different manners of death is because there were two people. And one of the, you know, the beating actually started in the store. Uh, the stabbing occurred f- for one person while the other person uh, committed the other Shooting. two murders with a gun. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Okay, well, there you have it. Those it's are kind of the uh, epitome of what felony murder is, which is if you are yeah. involved in the commission of a felony. Mm-hmm. And someone dies, you have now committed first degree murder. And right. it's stuff like this that makes that make sense. I yes. feel like. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, what a tough one for that whole community and for four <sighs> families and the high school. You know, some of these kids were still in school. That there was so much more. There's just so much horror and fear. Yeah. So those are the Burger Chef murders. So uh, just so you guys know, tomorrow morning we'll be back uh, in court. Well, we won't, but Chad Daybell will. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be live streaming it here. We believe it starts at 9.30 a.m. Mountain Time. Yeah. We will be here uh, watching it with you guys chatting. So if you're interested in that, be here. Definitely. We'll be back at 7 p.m. this evening. This is Wednesday. So we'll be back at 7 p.m. this evening for case updates and there are a handful coming out of daybell land mm-hmm. uh new charges as well in suzanne morphew morphew there's a few things happening so we'll yeah update awesome. you there and then thursday just happens to be my birthday and we will yes. be here we for will. the psychic hour yeah at 7 p.m mountain so lots more to come this week so be sure and join us and like subscribe share comment Whatever you got. We uh, we appreciate all the involvement. Mm-hmm. And we just appreciate you guys being here with us. So this mm-hmm. has been another production of True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Thanks, guys.